for parents, especially just like recognizing the symptoms of burnout, because I think burnout can quickly turn in to mental health problems and just listening and supporting them and kind of being a shoulder or being someone that can take some weight off. Like I know for burnout, it's just every area of your life. If you're just like overworking yourself and like as a parent, you can take some of that weight off. I think that's super important. You're listening to What's the Lesson, a podcast where we shift your WTF moments into WTL moments and learn together how to transform your life and relationships through social-emotional learning. We're your hosts, Jill and Mary, social-emotional learning experts and the co-founders of Girls Mentorship, a personal growth and development company for teen and tween girls. In each episode, we'll explore the five competencies of SEL, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making and share practical tips, stories, and strategies for building these skills in ourselves and others. Whether you're a parent, educator, or just looking to improve your own social-emotional well-being, this podcast is for you. Join us as we navigate the exciting and sometimes challenging world of SEL and discover the power that emotional intelligence has to transform our lives and communities. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. What's the lesson where we take your WTF moments and flip the script because those moments that are really hard and trust us, we've all been there. (laughs) They are a lesson. So welcome to what's the lesson? Mayor, how's it going? Hey, JP, it's going well. Thanks for asking. (laughs) You know, we're just in the height of podcasting season, and it's been so fun to kind of comb, I want to say, the internet, Instagram, to find different guests. And the guests that we have on today, I want to take you through a little backstory as to how we know her in a roundabout way. We had a guest on the show, I don't know, early on. He forwarded us this story because he knows our current guest sister. And he forwarded us an Instagram post about an athlete on the track team, and it was heartbreaking to Jill and I. So I don't want to get into too much of why, but we reposted it, we shared it on our Instagram, and then we got to reach out and have a really cool dialogue about this this situation, what this particular athlete was going through. And we said, you know what? More people need to hear about this, especially in our community, and we would love for you to come on this show. So please put your hands together and welcome Audrey Barheit. And we're so freaking excited to have this conversation with you. We know it's going to be so impactful on so many friends. So hi. Hi, Audrey. Hello. Hello. Honestly, I feel like we know you because we are connected. We've we've worked with your sister in the past and we know your family. This just feels like a very full circle moment. So Thanks for making time because you just got done. You just told us that you finished your first semester of college. First year. Oh, I'm sorry. First year. That's what I, sorry. My brain went to like last, <laughs> last, last semester, semester, first year. And we, we know that, man, you can be anywhere in the world, but you're here with us today. So we're really excited to have this conversation with you. Yeah, I'm super excited. 
And it's cool because Jill and I both have a Colorado connection. We're both from Colorado, so we know you're sitting in Colorado right now. And that, that just brings back so many memories to have this conversation. So to catch the listeners up, will you give us just a little biography of who you are? I know I said you did track, but will you get into the specifics around your track career, how old you are, what you're studying, so we can kind of paint that picture? Yes. So I have been an athlete since I was four and I played soccer until my sophomore year and I ended up getting super burnt out of that, but I knew I wasn't ready to not be an athlete anymore. So I ended up picking up track in high school and I loved that and then wanted to go to college for it. And then I was able to get a scholarship and I started running and I'm a freshman. How old are you now? I'm 19. You're 19. Okay. And you said freshman, but you're going to be a sophomore. Yeah. Yes, yes, we finished that out. I know, right? Yes. We get to practice saying that, which is super cool. So you grew up in Colorado. Was it like a dream for you to be accepted or get a scholarship into a Colorado university? Or were you looking at other places? Did you have offers from other places for track? Or was this like you knew that this was it? I was looking at other schools in Colorado I knew I wanted to stay close to home I was 18 and it didn't feel like an adult so I was like I wanted to stay close to home we'll get more into what didn't work out and why but I just want to paint that picture because obviously going off to college and if it's not college if it's a trade school please find yourself in this story but we're going on to a totally different chapter in our life right there's this excitement that gets built up around the opportunities that we have for ourselves so we're not only going to a college to study whatever it is we're going to major on but we're also taking on the added challenge of then being a student athlete so there are expectations around what your experience is going to be like, right? Who you're going to meet, the things that you're going to accomplish in your athletic career. And that for you, I can only imagine was a really big letdown based on what you shared on social media. So let's get into how we kind of came across you. So you ran track, you got a scholarship there. How long did you run track for? So when did you decide that you were done being an athlete? So I had most of my indoor season, but I was injured for a few meets. So I would say I competed in like three indoor meets and then I got an overused stress fracture. And then as conference got closer, I told my coaches that I thought I could do hurdles and they were like, well, if you can do one event, you'll do the whole pentathlon. So five events. And I like my stress fracture wasn't healed and my trainer was like, you can't do that. Like, there's no way it's healed. But I was like, well, I don't want to let these coaches down. And so then the coaches kind of like got my trainer on board. And I ended up competing, which I did super well. And I think it was just kind of like, I knew there weren't expectations, like high expectations, because I was injured. It was like, I could fall back on that, I guess. While I was injured, like, not that I wanted to make excuses for myself, but it was like, made it less nerve wracking. And then so then I competed at our championships. And then We had like a conditioning week as soon as we got back and I kind of jumped right into that instead of like taking more time off and like seeing if it was healed. And then the stress fracture got worse and I tried to tell my coaches and they had this idea that like I was weak and that they just needed to like keep pushing me and that like kind of I wasn't mentally tough enough and like that's why I was like faking an injury. And then I ended up getting an MRI and the stress fracture was worse and like lower in my ankle. When that was finally confirmed, my coaches believed me. And then 
I was going to redshirt my outdoor season, but I wasn't like valued on the team and I was burnt out and my coaches wouldn't listen to me. And like, even my teammates were like, I don't know why they're singling you out and like specifically treating you this way. So then it was like, I had no support. So instead of redshirting, I just brought them my uniform. And then that's when I like made the post and everything. Gosh, I mean, it breaks my heart to hear this. It leaves me speechless, truly. And I'm sorry that that was your experience because being injured, I mean, both Mary and I were athletes, so we understand what it feels like to compete at a very high level. And we also know what it feels like to have injuries. We've, we've both have been injured and to not have the support to be overlooked, to not be heard and to push and to push and to push because they want you to perform probably felt very frustrating. And in your own words, how did that make you feel? It made me feel like very alone and very isolated because like when I was injured, it was as if I wasn't on the team and I was trying to understand that and like make it make sense and kind of be like, well, they do have a lot of athletes. But then I got to thinking like, that's not how it should be because like I am an athlete on their team and like they are responsible like for taking care of me, whether I'm injured or not. And the fact that it was an overuse stress fracture and it wasn't like I had done something wrong. It was like our training was too much or like we were in spikes too much. I was like, none of this is my fault and they're making it seem like my fault. So it's a very like I had to like come to terms with it and kind of like stop blaming myself because I was like very alone and very burnt out and had no support from the coaches. And then it was like I was trying to do whatever I could to compete for the coaches and then I think that kind of got it in their heads that like I wasn't fully injured because I was trying to like still compete but yeah it was very isolating and then like the first time I had the stress fracture like they didn't really talk to me so then when I thought it was coming back I was like this can't be happening again because like it's going to destroy me like it destroyed me the first time kind of thing as mentors in a position that Jill and I are in, it's obviously very similar to a coach. It's obviously very similar to an authority figure that you look up to. So when you sign on to a team to play a sport and be with other people doing the same, you do have what I called out earlier, an expectation around the way you're going to get treated and the way you're going to feel. For me personally, in all of my sports experiences, it felt like a family. And to have a subset of a family within your greater college experience feels really good because you know you're doing it with other people. You're experiencing the same things with other people. You have people to count on. And for you to feel almost like an outcast because of an injury had to, like what you just said, feel so isolating and so deflating. And I'm so happy you walked the listeners through kind of your range of emotion, right? It's like, I have this thing that happened and I feel wrong because of it. So I feel like I need to perform regardless of what's wrong, if I can or I can't. Like I need to buy in. I need them to buy into me, right? Then you go further and further down the line and it's like, okay, this isn't my fault. Something is really wrong here and I need somebody to understand that. Then you kind of flipped back to this isn't 
something that I did to me. I was showing up, I was putting in the work, I was practicing, and this happened because of one, two, or three external reasons. So I'm really glad to hear not only that you walked our listeners through that, but that you walked yourself through that. Mm -hmm. Because it's very hard to dig yourself out of that hole of shame and guilt around something that you perceived that you did wrong when realistically all you were doing was doing your best. Well, and I'm curious too, because listening to you, you're 19 years old. You are still so young and vibrant and and I'm proud of you to have this understanding around saying, you know what, something doesn't feel right and I need to do something about it. Where me and Mary, and I can really speak for myself on this, I am a recovering people pleaser. I like to please. And at 19, I don't know if I would have had <laughs> the courage or the awareness to, to make that bold decision. I think I probably would have like pushed my body to a point of exhaustion or injured myself even more. So I'm really curious, like who was your support during this? I heard you say that your, your teammates, they were the ones that were like, wait a second, like it kind of feels like you're being singled out. So did you go to them or did you go to your mom? Did you like, who was your sounding board through all of this to help you really like navigate this journey? Yeah, I do have a therapist who I've been with for years. And I would say like her support as well as like, it's kind of cheesy, but like myself, cause I had like gone through something similar in high school and I got like super burnt out. And then as I was feeling the same way in college, I was like, cause when I was burnt out in high school, it like destroyed me. Like I was super depressed and like my burnout turned into like all these mental health problems. And then it was just like, I spiraled out of control and couldn't really save myself. And that's when I got like my therapist. And then like, I think my parents understood me more this time around and I understood myself more this time around. So just like, recognizing that I didn't want to go back to that place and like I like to call it like my bad first draft so that like mm -hmm. now this time around it was like my final draft could be so much better in that like I didn't have to lose myself this time and I could recognize like the symptoms of burnout and that I didn't want to go back to that place and then also just like my family like knowing that they probably also didn't want me to go back to that place and like my sister I live with her so like she was a huge support and my roommate who I just actually met probably about a year ago we had worked together and like she's now my best friend and like I couldn't have done it without her mm, that I, you do that's it's very clear that you need to have a circle of support so if you're listening to this and need help finding that reach out like extend yourself because there's communities out there who are willing to be that support system for you and I think the major takeaway in this is sharing your story, not sitting with your feelings and trying to handle them on your own because there are people who are willing to be that for you. So I wanna fast forward to you handing in your jersey and making that social media post. How long did you sit on feeling that way before you hit post? Probably my roommate and I wrote it up together because she's been with me through this whole experience. So like she helped me write it because I had like sat down with a piece of paper I couldn't do it I kept writing like the same sentence over and over again just like the fact that I'd been an athlete and that's like as far as I could get it was like 
I didn't know like where to go from there kind of thing. And I knew that like in that place, I couldn't have just been told like, it's hard to be an athlete. Cause then like, yeah, it's obviously hard to be an athlete, but athletes don't recognize like when it crosses a line. So I compared my situation to like a toxic relationship because that can kind of like clear your mind and be like, I wouldn't stay in this relationship but I'm staying in this toxic environment because it's right. like my sport and sports are hard. So once I had written that for multiple weeks, I was like, how am I going to do this? How am I going to do this? Cause I knew like I wanted to quit, but I didn't know how, and I didn't want to like just send an email. And then I was like, I remembered I had to turn in my Jersey. So there were a lot of things that were holding me back. And like, I was holding myself back cause I was scared. And like, I was most afraid to like tell my teammates because I wasn't worried about letting my coaches down. I felt like I had already let them down. And like, at this point, their opinion didn't matter to me because like they had kind of like destroyed my mental health. So it was like, I don't care what they think of me at this point, but like I was most worried about like letting my teammates down because like I had gotten close to them and like they were supportive. So then just one day at practice, I had my uniform in my bag and I was planning on doing it and I almost left that day because I was so nervous to do it. I was almost just like, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. And then my coach told me that she wasn't going to be there the rest of the week because she was taking some of the athletes to California. And I was like, I just have to do it. So then I brought her my uniform. I was like, here's my uniform. And she's like, why? I was like, because I can't do this anymore. And kind of explained that like, I wasn't valued on the team. And I had tried to voice that to her and she hadn't listened. And then she kind of was just like, okay, give me your uniform. And then I sent an email to our athletic department and the coaches and just told them that like my experience was not what I expected. And they took the love for the sport. Like I wasn't super nice in my email, but they, I lost the love for my sport. And like, I don't really respect any coach that's going to do that to an athlete. So, yeah. Was there a response back? And not to say that you needed a response to feel validated, but because most importantly, you're doing this for you. And I'm just curious, though, after having that conversation with your coach and then, you know, looping everybody else in the athletic department or the wh whomever else um, needed to hear your decision, did anybody respond in a way that, you know, took accountability or listened to you or apologized or said, you know what? We need to make change here. Definitely not. I know that like my head coach just said, Audrey Barhead is no longer a part of this team. Please let her fill out the transfer paperwork. And then probably like a week or two later, the head of the athletic department responded and he was just like, Hey, I just wanted to make sure someone responded. Like, I'm sorry this happened to you, but it wasn't like, I'm so sorry this happened to you. Like, please tell me more about this. And I know People have gone to him, our athletic director before and complained about my head coach. And then people have also, after my post, told me, like, you should have gone to the athletic department. And it's like, that would have been counterproductive because I would have probably still been on the team going to the athletic department. And then my head coach would have found out that I was complaining about him. And I think the system's flawed. And I think a lot of other sports and teams would say the same. Well, and I just I have to point out that there's been so many instances in recent history around athletes 
struggling with coaches or training staff in a similar way. And you said something around feeling like the system was flawed, right? It might be tenure. It might be personal relationships that people are trying to maintain and show face that stop athletes like you from getting the result that they're seeking, right? I think in my mind, if somebody would have, like Jill said, taken some sort of personal responsibility, it probably would have made you feel at least a little bit better about the situation as opposed to just feeling like a number. Because in athletics, obviously it's a numbers game in terms of getting money for certain accolades that teams rack up and that's great for the team in order to be able to recruit and it's this whole it's this whole system right however you're still a person you're not a number you're not a cog in in the grand wheel of life so the fact that over this timeline you had committed you were excited to commit you were injured and had to sit out then you probably came back like fire, right? You wanted to make up for the time that you lost. In that, there was an injury that you had to work through and you probably wouldn't have worked through it had you have felt valued and like you were a person on the team that was injured, not, you know, a distraction from the team that was injured. Then you decide to throw in your red flag and say, this isn't worth it. I love this sport, but feeling this way isn't worth it. Here's why. And you, you direct this message to several different people not to get the response that could have helped even placate something is is really disappointing to hear. So then you take to social media and you kind of share your story in the way that you were just talking about. It's like you wouldn't stay in a toxic relationship. So why am I staying in a toxic environment that isn't building me up? It's tearing me down. And that post probably did better than any other post you've ever had. Is that correct when I say that? Yes, I have like insights pulled up about my post and it was up like 420% than my normal post. And did that post through comments or DMs or other people even seeing you in person who read the post, like what were people's reactions to it? I think especially for athletics, it's scary to come out publicly or like in person. So I haven't had anyone really in person talk to me about it, but the amount of DMs, the amount of comments, the amount of people that were reposting it was crazy and like so much more than I could have asked for. And as much as it was like sad to hear all these stories, it was also reassuring knowing that like my voice is being heard and it can be used for other athletes kind of indirectly. Cause if they are struggling with this, they might not come out and say their coach specifically or their environment specifically, but to be able to just post this broadly and say like our mental health matters, I think was really important. And I'm glad that I could be that voice for people. Well, yeah. And if you didn't get the response from your coaches or your athletic department, that from other people to say, Hey, this is powerful. And I see you and I see myself in this, that probably was everything you needed to say, you know what, I made the right decision. And again, you don't need other people's opinions to validate who you are, but you've experienced this before in high school. And you know that it, it, we call it a ping. It's like, a, it's a trigger where you're like, I don't wanna feel like this again and I need to do something about it. So mm-hmm. I just, kudos, kudos to you for knowing your worth, truly. If there's anything that we know in this work with girls, 
self-worth and confidence and loneliness is, I mean, oh man, it's staggering. The lack of, and to be 19 and to understand that your mental health matters and you've been doing the work for however many years now, at least, you know, four or five years on yourself to know yourself more. This experience for you was like, hey, I need to do something about it because my my body, my mind, we've been here before and I got to make a change. So bravo to you. Well, and Thank it's you. cool because when you can use your voice, when you can be a stand for something, what it does is give other people the permission to do the same. So yes, people may have reposted and shared and commented and liked and wound up in your DMs with similar stories. But our hope in that is that if they're going through something similar, you've given them the permission to actually speak out beyond the DMs, right? Mm -hmm. To actually really utilize their voice and express what it is they're going through and it not being okay, because that collectively is how we create change. So maybe there is a culture within sports that needs a little bit of a shakeup in terms of really being able to check in on our student athletes' mental health, because what we know about the state of mental health right now in 2023 is that it is dismal. It's terrible. One in four kids have an anxiety condition. One in five have a depressive disorder. And those numbers are only going up. Those numbers were also established pre-COVID. So what we know about COVID is it isolated people even more into that loneliness and into themselves in terms of maybe not being able to or not wanting to use their voice because they're scared of doing so. So you making a stand, you hitting post, not knowing the response that you were going to get was such a beautiful act of bravery because it really opened the door to other people looking at this issue in a way they may not have, right? So. We look at athletes in professional careers and they have their own voices, right? They can talk about who they are and we don't need to, not that we don't need to worry about it because we do, but it takes on a different face when it's one of our kids mm -hmm. and you are one of our kids. You're very relatable in that way because it could be my kid. I mean, we're seeing obviously high school graduations happening right now, and a lot of those students are going to go be student athletes somewhere. Mm -hmm. It opens up the door for parents to think about it in a different way and hopefully check in on their kids in a different way. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious around if you were to give advice to parents or coaches who may be listening to this podcast around supporting athletes differently. Do you have any advice for them or like what could they do differently for their athletes to support them in their mental health? I would say definitely just like listening to them and checking in on them and avoiding using the excuse that I have so many athletes, like it's hard to keep track of them all. I don't think you should be in a position as a coach if you're not prepared to take care of each and every athlete that you choose and you bring onto your team. And like for parents, especially just like recognizing the symptoms of burnout, because I think burnout can quickly turn in to mental health problems and just listening and supporting them and kind of being a shoulder or being someone that can take some weight off. Like I know like for burnout, it's just every area of your life. If you're just like overworking yourself and like as a parent, you can take some of that weight off. I think that's super important. What does that look like? 
So you say, okay, mom, hey, I'm feeling super burnt out. Is it just like I need support? What does that look like? And if you can share an example of that. I would just say like first knowing the symptoms, just like if they're just constantly tired, if they are apathetic, like they don't want to go to practice anymore. They don't want to do things that they used to love. Definitely is a concern. I think it's hard too, because especially in high school, I was definitely isolating myself and like, it's hard to talk to your parents. Like it's scary. And it's like, you're kind of confused about where you're at. Like I was super sad and I didn't know why, and I didn't know how to fix it. And I didn't really want to put that burden on my parents. So I think just like checking in and like really getting your kid to talk is important. But I know like, especially for me, like I was like, I don't want to talk. I'm fine. So I, I don't even really know like what advice I can give to parents because I wasn't open to mine. Well, you got a therapist, right? So I think the incredible advice that we can garner for this is making sure as a parent, you're not pushing your kid too much or getting upset with them when they're not sharing. And I would challenge anyone listening to try as hard as you can to put yourself back in your teenage shoes and understand exactly what you just said. Like, it's scary to open up to your parents about certain things because of the feelings that you think might come along with it or the actions that might come along with it. Am I going to be in trouble? Am I going to be shamed? Are they going to be disappointed in me if I tell them all these things? Because I have this image and they think that I am this and they think that I am that. And we don't ever want to let anyone down, especially the people closest to us that we love. So it's one of those things where your parents did you a great service by allowing you to go seek out a separate space that was safe for you in order to share these feelings. So if that's not a therapist in your kid's life, there are several other options in terms of mentorship and community builders that you can loop in. This whole raising kids thing does actually take a village. I know that it's kind of a shtick in terms of a saying, but it's it's true. The more outlets, healthy and positive outlets that your kids can have, the more people they can turn to with what they're struggling with and knowing that it doesn't always have to be you and being okay with that. So totally agree just in terms of watching for those signs and symptoms of like lackadaisical, apathetic, like what burnout presents certain symptoms that you were clearly showcasing not only in high school, but in college as well. So being on the lookout for those and not being afraid to delve into them or gloss over them in any way because they do mean something. Mm -hmm. So we're done with our freshman year of college. What does next year look like for you? Are you upset about not being a student athlete anymore? Or do you feel like it's given you freedom to kind of explore other areas of your life? I think definitely looking at sports and leaving that environment as a toxic relationship. Like there are times when I look back at like the positive moments or like the pictures and I'm like, wow, I really miss that. Like, I kind of want to go back. And I think a lot of people like in toxic relationships, once they get out, they're like, oh, I miss them because you miss like the good parts. But I've started like making a mental list of like the things that it has taken away from me. Like I wouldn't change a thing, but like in high school, like having to rush back to dances or missing dances or missing tests on Fridays because you have to travel. It's like thinking about the things that I don't miss about track in athletics has been helpful. Um, I think 
I will miss being a part of a team. But next year, I might get back into soccer, see if that's a possibility. But right now, I'm very much enjoying not having a sport and kind of having more free time to kind of discover myself away from sports and myself like in hopefully like my career and my major. I love that you said that. Me too. I think that's a really incredible call out Mm -hmm. because what we deal with a lot too is having an entire identity wrapped up in a sport. Mm -hmm. So when it's no longer there, regardless of the reason, you wind up having some sort of an identity crisis. So the fact that you have kind of distanced yourself from it and yes, of course, it's it's like a death. It's mourning a death. It's mm-hmm. something that was so ingrained in you as an athlete from the age of four until now to where it's like, yeah, of course I'm going to be sad and I'm going to see them practicing and I'm going to miss that. But knowing that there's so many other things for you out in this world to to focus your time and attention on and grow into is a really cool call out. Yeah. And before we pressed record, Audrey was saying that she went to Barnes and Noble and got all of these books for the summer so she can really, you know, dive into her degree. And do you want to share what you are studying? Yeah. So I'm studying women's and ethnic studies and I'm minoring in pre-law. So I hope to be a lawyer of social justice issues. And I haven't narrowed it down beyond that, but something social justice that I'm passionate about. I that is seems very fitting to it me. Does. I mean, I, you're going to look back when you launch into your career to be like, wow, that totally set me up for where I'm supposed to be today. And that in the true sense of the word is what's the lesson, right? And mm-hmm. seeing the things that are happening in our life is not from a victim mentality, which you didn't. I'm reading through some of the comments on your post right now, and there are so many people who are like, you took so many measures to speak up for yourself and to let people know that this is what you were feeling. And the door got closed in your face over and over and over again. So you took the path that you were told to take. And I love that you, instead of just succumbing to the pressure or sitting down on yourself and remaining quiet, Mm -hmm. chose to speak out because your voice, like we've said a few times already, is going to be the survival guide for someone else going through something really similar. So we're extremely proud of you. Thank you for taking time to be with us today and to share your story a little bit more in depth. If you are someone listening to this as a student athlete or as a parent, we went through a few things that you could look into a couple things, boxes that you could check in terms of checking in on your student athlete or utilizing your voice, some resources for sure. So if you know somebody who needs to listen to this, if you know somebody who would be impacted by this, please share it with them. Direct them back to our page, direct them back to Audrey's page to read that post and get connected with her. But other than that, Audrey, thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate this so much to have an platform to share my story. So thank you so much. Yeah, of course. Well, you guys, as always, thanks for tuning in and joining us on these conversations and we will see you on the next episode. Bye. We say this every time, but wow, what a powerful episode. These conversations always leave us feeling so fired up and inspired. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in with us. If you felt as inspired by listening to this conversation as we did having it, we would be ecstatic if you'd advocate for us in one of the following ways. 
by sharing this episode with a friend or tagging us on your social media, by heading over to iTunes and leaving us a rating and an honest review, or by following us on social media. This community is full of movers and shakers. Until next time, you guys, remember, being able to shift our WTF moments and finding the lesson instead saves us time and mental energy. And this bomb-ass episode was sponsored by Girls Mentorship.